Anthony and Emma, great to have you back with us this morning. Uh, my neighbours, Liz and Mark, are here this morning with their kids, and it's great to have them here. Um, Courtney, so good to have you back, and Tom and James and little Bubby. I, I don't know the Bubby's name. Layla, so good to have you here. Um, extra especially want to um, mention Ian and Mary, who last night celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. So... <laughs> didn't party too hard and are with us here this morning, so that's great to have you here. Uh, this morning, we're just continuing through the book of Luke. Our kids are out in Sunday school. They're doing the same as us. It's so good. This passage that we're um, looking at this morning, though, is a little bit outside of my wheelhouse because it's not a passage that's just about teaching or making a single point. It's this beautiful painting of what it means to encounter Jesus. And so this morning, um, up on the screen, I'm going to have some art as I'm speaking. I've actually um, got a video of someone who's going to read the passage for us just because I think he reads it well. Um, we're going to look at the different parts of this um, painting as we go through the service this morning. So let's just be still for a moment and allow this story to impact us as we look on. One time there was this Pharisee who invited our Lord to, to his house to recline. And the Lord entered his house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city. She was a sinner. She heard of the Lord entering the Pharisee's house, gathered up an alabaster vial, and entered the Pharisee's house. She stood at the feet of Jesus and began to weep. And then she gently knelt down, continued to weep on his feet, took her hair, began to dry his feet. And after doing that, she, she began to use that expensive perfume by anointing his feet. And the Pharisee who invited Jesus into the home saw this. And in his heart, he said, if he is a prophet, he will know what manner and type of woman this is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered the Pharisee, Simon, I have something to say to you. The Pharisee replied, teacher, say it. I have a story to tell you about a moneylender who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither one of the debtors were able to repay, but the moneylender graciously graciously forgave them of their debt. Now, who do you think who was the one that loved him the most? And the Pharisee said, well, I, I suppose the one who was forgave more. Jesus replied, yes, that's correct. You see this woman? When I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. Yet she, with her tears, began to bathe my feet. And with the hair of the head, began to dry my feet. When I entered your house, you didn't kiss me. Yet she has not ceased kissing my feet since I came. You, 
did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with expensive perfume. For this reason, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. She has loved much. Those who are forgiven little, love little. Jesus turned to the woman. Your sins have been forgiven. Then those that were reclining at the table with them began to think among themselves, well, who is this man who forgives sins? And once again, Jesus turned to the woman. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So I just want to look at the different characters in this story and help us get our head around what's going on. So right at the center of this story is a woman. She is a woman who doesn't intend to be at the center of the story. Ordinarily, in first century patriarchal Jewish society, to be a woman would not be, mean, would mean that you were not someone who was at the center. But if this picture is a picture, this woman is right in the middle of the story and this picture is a picture of worship. This woman comes into this house and she plans, I believe, to come in, pour some perfume on Jesus' head as an expression of thanks, to do it quietly just on the fringes and leave. That was her intention going in. Um, during the week, this week, I was actually at an ordination. So we have a new Baptist uh, director of ministries, the state minister, Melinda Cousins, has just been appointed as the new um, director of ministries. It was a great service. There was a sermon. There was prayer. Uh, we farewelled Mike and uh, welcomed Melinda. It was all done with a certain amount of formality and order. There was a plan, people stood up and they spoke. And it was all lovely. There was a bit of emotion there, but it was all fairly um, straightforward. Contrast that anointing to this one. She comes to Jesus and as this woman draws near him, she is overcome by emotion. It just catches her. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Uh, recently, it was uh, my dad died uh, a few months ago, and at his funeral, I was fine. Uh, all the preparation stuff I'd done really well. I was happy. I'd prepared what I was going to say. I was ready to go until my mum spoke. As my mum spoke, I just choked up, and I started to cry, and I was right after her. So she hopped down, tears in her eyes and sat down next to me. I got up to speak and the entire time I was speaking, I was weeping. I don't know if that's ever happened to you where you've been caught out by your emotions. Maybe it's just being a typical male and not being in touch with what's going on inside me, but has that ever happened to you? Uh, during the week, this week, I was um, at the cafe up the road preparing this message. I was reading through this story and the same thing happened again. As I read this story, I entered into the emotion of it and I started to choke up. I'm not sure what the barista thought 
I thought about their coffee. But <laughs> I was sitting there reading and tearing up about the beauty and the power of this pure act of worship. Crystal Lutton wrote that in Luke 7, a broken, sobbing, unnamed woman enters the house of Jesus, where Jesus is dining. She anoints his feet with oil and tears, wiping them with her hair. The men present talk about her like she isn't even there. They are offended by the sinner in their presence. This story is offensive. The woman in this passage hadn't planned to be there. She didn't intend to be at the center. She planned to slip in quietly, do what she had to plan to do, and then slip out. But with everyone reclining at a table, which is how they did it in those days, there'd be a table on the floor in the middle and everyone would lie down on an elbow. She couldn't actually reach Jesus' head to pour the perfume on it. The only part of him that she can get near is his feet. And as she draws near to Jesus, she begins to weep. These are the tears of repentance and grace. It's one of those moments when everything leading up to this moment catches up with you. You realize the significance of sin and shame and grace. And it dawns on her, the weight of it all, everything that's led up to this point suddenly hits her. And it's no longer just a simple act where she's going to do this thing. It becomes a confession. And as she weeps, her tears start falling on Jesus' feet. And so she wipes them off. And as she's wiping them off, more tears come. And as in not too long, she finds herself washing Jesus' feet with her tears. But then she realizes she doesn't have a towel. So she uses what she does have. She lets it and dries his feet with her hair. And she's right there, inches away from Jesus' feet, full of thankfulness and gratitude. She is thankful for the weight that she's been carrying that has been lifted. And so she begins to kiss Jesus' feet. It's this confronting, intimate act of worship. And as it's played out, gone from this woman just sneaking in the back to weeping and kissing Jesus' feet, the awkwardness in the room has just gone up and up and up to the point where this woman who was on the fringe is now right at the center. She is the elephant in the room. Everyone at the table is filled with shock and embarrassment. Except for Jesus. He just quietly allows this woman to continue. He receives this intimate spiritual outpouring of love and gratitude without rebuke and without embarrassment. John Noland wrote this. He said, Jesus' passivity in the face of this behavior is the most eloquent thing in this passage. That Jesus would be comfortable with someone 
coming to him like this. I'm going to switch to talking about Simon now deeper. <laughs> awesome. Because for those watching on to this story, sitting around the table, not sitting, lying around the table, this is incredibly squirmy. Um, Simon has invited this respected teacher and preacher to his house. He's open to the idea that Jesus may be a prophet. He may be someone sent from God to teach the words of God. And he wants to find out. And as this woman starts washing his feet, he thinks he has the answer. This man cannot be a prophet because he lets someone like this touch him like that. Not just touch him, but continue and intimacy. Um, one of the things about Beck is she hates public displays of affection and intimacy. It's one of the things that she finds incredibly squirmy, um, almost as squirmy as being called out in a sermon. Um, but... <laughs> Touché. <laughs> But um, to get some idea of how this would have been for those watching on, I, I'd like you to imagine what it would be like if someone, a woman, walked in here this morning as I'm speaking and started kissing my feet. And, and I just continued to chat to you and continued on with the message. It's awkward. Simon, in his heart, and I imagine with his posture as well, you know, when you can read someone's mind without them having to say anything, I'm, uh, I need to get better at that. He decides this man cannot be a prophet. He doesn't get it or who this woman is. And at that moment, Jesus speaks, and I love it. He tells them this parable. He says, Simon, do you see this woman? Such a great question. He might as well have asked, Simon, can you see the nose in front of your face? Can you see the elephant in the room? Do you, did you happen to notice this woman who is weeping feet with her tears and drying them with her hair and kissing my feet? Did you happen to notice that, Simon? But then he goes on. I came into your house. And you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she's put per perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Incredible answer. Simon, you think I don't get it, but you don't get it. You don't get the outrageous generosity of God. You don't get the incredibly transforming power of having your sins and your past forgiven, of being set free. You don't get the ge generosity and the wisdom of God that he is good news to the poor, that the year of the Lord's favour has come and this woman has received the blessing that we sung about, the favour, this genuine, brave act is the outrageous love of God in full flight. 
You don't get it, Simon. It is not sitting around a table looking respectable and talking about theology. This woman is worshipping. Um, forgiveness and generosity go hand in hand. Uh, it is only as we recognise God's goodness and his forgiveness and his grace to us, our need of it, that we're actually able to worship and celebrate him and be thankful for what he has done, which we cannot. Jesus asked Simon, do you see this woman? Because when Jesus looks at her, he doesn't see the labels and her past and the mistakes and the sin. Jesus sees her and receives her as someone who is holy and is pure and is loved by God and is valued and has integrity and identity. That is who she is in the eyes of Jesus. That's who you are in the eyes of Jesus if you have the courage to believe it. Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'd love to um, turn to the person in this story because um, this story raises some really big theological questions. And you can probably, um, things like, what is faith? When does it actually kick in? How does it happen? What does it mean to take hold of faith? The way that Jesus talks about the woman in this story is that she has already received forgiveness because of her faith. And this response shows that. But um, that's a bit of an unsatisfactory answer. I don't know if you've ever asked that question, how do I know that I have faith? How do I know that I'm forgiven? It's a tricky question. I'm not going to dig into it too much this morning. If you'd like to know more, come and chat to me. Talk about it in your small groups. But the thing that I would say is whatever the requirements of faith, this woman met it and it saved her. Whatever the requirements of faith, anybody, no matter who they are or what they have done, can meet them and it will save them. Forgiveness, according to Jesus, stands open. Um, Jesus sees you and he calls you. And faith is responding to that call. Um, we've got these doors here as um, part of our worship for the year. It's a bit of a theme. We're talking about thresholds and doors. Forgiveness is a door that stands open. Faith is about stepping through it. Faith is when we realize that we need the forgiveness of God. When we realize the depth of that. And we also realize that it doesn't stand as a barrier between us and God. That he has opened the way. And as soon as we step through, we, like this woman, are saved. I, um, I'm just going to finish up here, but 
the real question that I have as I kind of reflect on this passage, the thing that I'd like you to go away with and ponder on is where does this um, message land for you? Where does this story land? Where are you in the story? One of the things that I'm really conscious of is this idea that um, psychologists talk about of scripts. Has anyone heard about life scripts? Life scripts are those things that you tell yourself about yourself. Uh, They're the kind of, if you reduce everything down, your understanding of who you are. Um, All of us have a script that we operate out of. Some of them can be incredibly unhelpful. Like, I always stuff up. I don't deserve good things. I don't need anyone. No one loves me. I'm dangerous or I'm fundamentally broken. Some of those scripts are less damaging as long as they stay within their proper place. Things like, I need to get a lot done. Or, um, I need to show that I'm worthy of uh, appreciation. Or, uh, I need to be really strong. Whatever the script that you have, Jesus sees you differently. What happens when we encounter Jesus is he sets us free from those scripts and those paths and offers us a new identity, a script that says, you are my beloved child who I have blessed and called. That's who we are, each and every one of us. The invitation stands open. So, I'm going to finish there, and I'm going to finish just with the blessing, the blessing of the words of Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I'd also like to offer that invitation. If you're not sure about faith or where you stand, please come and have a chat to someone after the service. You can chat to me or someone you like better than me. (laughs) <laughs> who is wise and who you trust. And there's many of them around this place. So let me pray and uh, we'll carry on with our service. Lord Jesus, we come and we fall at your feet. We thank you that you have set us free. We come to you and we acknowledge the gap between who we are called to be and who we are. And we come to you with thanks and recognize that you have bridged that gap. That you uh, took our shame, you took our sin, uh, you took our past, and you bore it upon the cross. That you set us free and now we have a new identity, a life-giving identity in you. We're so thankful. We uh, worship you this morning and we're so uh, thankful for this reminder of what it means to be set free by you. So I pray for us all. I pray that that message, that reminder, that identity would go with us as we leave this place. Amen. Thanks, Gav. We're running um, a little bit ahead of time at the moment. Um, (laughs) So we're just going to sing um, another song. Um, while we wait for our children to come back. If while we're singing this song, if someone wouldn't mind going out and letting the kids know that we're ready, um, and then they can come back in.
Um, so just in response to um, what Gav's just shared with us, we're going to sing a song about um, the Lord and how good he, good he is.